Hey guys, what is up? Welcome to episode number 12. My name is Cliff. I appreciate you guys checking me out. And this is Being Famous Podcast. As always, hope everyone around the globe is doing well and staying safe. If you would like more information about myself and this podcast, come on guys, I'll tell you every single episode. You know what to do. Check out my webpage, beingfamouspodcast.com. There you can also listen to previous episodes and learn more about previous guests. Facebook and Instagram are at Being Famous Podcast. Head over to each, start following me, and you will then be able to get all the latest podcast news and updates. All right, here we go, guys. Let's get on with it. Episode number 12 is in full effect. You've seen her in Beverly Hills, 90210, NYPD Blue, Firefly, and a ton of other stuff. Oh, yeah. She also did 22 episodes alongside Hollywood legend Dennis Hopper in the TV series Flatland. She has one extensive resume, y'all. But for me, I know her as Lisa from the 1996 cult classic Swingers, where she appeared alongside two heavyweights in the movie industry. Of course, I'm talking about Vince Vaughn and John Favreau. Her name is Catherine Kendall. Catherine, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for taking time out of your day to come on the show. Hey, Cliff. Um, thank you for having me on your podcast. I really look forward to talking to you. Yes, ma'am. As do I. Uh, Catherine, where are you calling from? I'm calling in from Los Angeles. Very cool. Love SoCal. Uh, and you are certainly not the first guest that has come on to the podcast that is from LA or lives in LA. Uh, where exactly do you live? I live, it's, it doesn't have an area. It's, it's the only place that it doesn't really have a name. Okay. But it's between West Hollywood and Hollywood. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> it doesn't make much sense, but it, yeah, it's uh. It's pretty central and um, just below the hills. You could say West Hollywood adjacent. There you go. Uh, How do you like LA? I like it. I like it. Yeah, man. Me too. LA is cool. Um, But you're originally from, or you were born in Memphis, Tennessee, right? Actually, I lived, I was born in Memphis. I lived in Memphis till I was about six or seven. And then all my family still lives in Memphis, but my immediate family moved to Washington, D.C. Okay, cool. So where were you living before you moved to L.A.? New York. So how long have you been in L.A.? Um, I've been in L.A. since 1995. Quite a while. And um, one year before uh, the movie Swingers came out, which, of course, we will talk about, Catherine. Um, what were you doing in New York? I went to school in New York. I went to acting school in New York. Okay. And uh, I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. And then I hung out in New York for, for several years before moving here, you know, trying to get acting jobs and working waiting tables and all kinds of, you know, odd jobs. And then I moved out here in 95, I think, to see how it would go. And, and then I stayed. Okay, cool. So you're living in New York. Um, what made you take that initial jump uh, to move to LA and to make that transition? Uh, you know, I was auditioning for some things that were taking me out here for auditions. I tested for some pilots and different things like that that brought me to LA. And it seemed like their work was just headed this way. And all the people that I knew were, it was happening the same way for them at the same time. And we all migrated to LA together. Cool. And um, it just seemed like a natural next evolution. There were just back then, and I don't know, there was so much more, there were more television opportunities. and. Um, it just seemed like it was probably just a, a time for some some change, and I didn't even realize that was part of it. But it was just it seemed like a exciting, fun next step in life, too. Yeah, certainly makes sense. And uh, if you're looking to work in TV or movies, that's certainly the place to be. Um, how old were you at the time? Twenty five. Gotcha. So you were actually living in New York and auditioning for things in LA, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's pretty cool, right? I mean, you're 25 years old, you're young, you live in New York, you fly to LA to audition. Um, yeah. I mean, that had to be pretty cool. What was that experience like? Yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, I think that the, all the studios were kind of, I think if I'm correct, they were all out here. And so if you got to a certain place in your audition process, you would have to come to LA to test, to see the network, to see the studios, to kind of go before them and, you know, Get, you get that far in your audition and um, they want to see you in person. They don't want to just see you on tape. I mean, this is like when you used to put people on tape, like real tape. Right. <laughs> Not even digital tape. Old school. To, you know, and they would send the tape off. Yeah. 
and they put it in the VCR and then they would watch it. It's, you know, watch your audition tape. Um, but then it, as, 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 eventually they'd want to see you in person if you got really far. So you'd go and they do you, you'd sign your deal and everything and see how much you were going to make and all the things that were going to happen. And you would audition before a bunch of studio heads out here in LA. That's cool. Old school, man. Uh, VCR tapes. That's great. Catherine, how many times did you actually fly to LA to audition? It was only once that I actually flew out, but gotcha. there were a lot of, we were always auditioning for things that were in LA. Yep. Even though you were in New York and you, you were always hearing about LA and sure. there was always somebody that had gone right before you that was going to was saying, hey, are you going to come? Are you going to come to L.A. for pilot season? You know, you got to go to L.A. for pilot season. You're much more likely to get a pilot if you go to L.A. Because um, you can see more people in person. Sure. And not put yourself on tape. So that was that was the thing. So all the actors would always come out for pilot season. So I'd always say, well, who am I going to stay with for pilot season? And what, what would it be like? And I had never been to California. So I, I just couldn't even imagine what it was going to be like. I'm a poster. I'm a girl, really. And I, I just had no idea. I was really excited to just see what, what it would be like. And New York is so different. You take the subway everywhere, you walk everywhere, you know, LA have to drive, especially back then there were no Ubers and you were certainly not going to take a cab all over this place. You had to like get a Thomas guide and read the map and find your way. And it was, but it was really exciting and fun. And it was so fun because it was also you had the beach and the mountains and beautiful weather and space. And it seemed like you could get so much more, um, you know, room for your, for your money in New York. You're always living in a tiny little space and out in LA, the sunlight and the people had yards and it was just like a slice of heaven. Yeah, no doubt. The canyons, the beaches, uh, the weather, the topography. Yeah. LA is very cool. Uh, Catherine, as you well know, LA or New York are not cheap places to live. Uh, when you were living in New York, what were you doing for employment? I was waiting tables. I was hostessing and I was a babysitter. <laughs> I had like uh, several gigs going, you know, I had a family that I babysat for pretty regularly. Like I was almost a nanny for them, but I didn't live with them. But I would go on trips with them and do things like that. And but then I also waited tables and and hostessed. Hostessed. <laughs> you know, I was a hostess. Yeah, there you go. I guess that's your basic uh struggling actor type work, uh waiting tables, being a hostess, babysitting. Uh Catherine, while you're in New York doing these sort of odd jobs, are you landing any work? Are you landing any gigs? I got some I got some some work and then um, I remember the first year though, I was, I was auditioning all the time for everything, you know, huge things, things that people like that were really famous people would end up getting. And you're like, well, wait, why am I even auditioning? This person's already a famous person. I mean, it was, it was almost like an exercise in futility, but other times you got really excited and thought maybe there was a chance, but there was a lot of auditions. It was so hard to get that first job. Really? Oh my gosh. And the first job that I finally got, like it was a really good, a paying gig with SAG was for the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. And it was especially cool because I got to go to Istanbul, Turkey to shoot it. Yeah, there you go. And, and also at Prague. Nice. So, um, you know, that was really exciting and I got to join SAG and it was finally starting to happen. And, but that there you have another job that auditioned out of New York, but it didn't shoot there. Young Indiana Jones Chronicles came out in 1992, starred Neil Patrick Flannery from uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana, went on to have a pretty nice career. Um, Catherine, what were some of those things that uh, you auditioned for that you didn't get? Oh my gosh. Okay, hold on. That's a really good question. Um, I gave those examples earlier. and um, I mean, I okay, I auditioned for Friends. Cool. Um, what else? A lot of cool, like independent movies. And I'm having a hard time remembering the projects right now, but I remember seeing like Juliet Lewis or Drew Barrymore or um, Cameron Diaz or Carrie Russell. 
or um wow carrie russell haven't heard that name in a while uh star of felicity back in the day uh catherine how close or do you even know how close did you come to uh landing the gig uh from your audition with friends oh i i brought that only, i brought that up only because it's such a famous one and um but no i mean i didn't i just had i just auditioned for it i didn't get like super close or anything. Gotcha. So Catherine, tell me a little bit more about the experience of um, the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. I mean, it's your first major gig that you land. Um, Not only is it your first major gig that you land, but you also get to fly to uh, Turkey. You also get to go to Prague. Had to be very cool. Tell me a little about that experience. It was, it was really terrifically exciting because and part of it was just that you had to fly to some country that you've never been to and, you know, we're planning on going to in the near future. And suddenly you were going and you're seeing the world and always thought that that was an exciting thing to have a job bring you to another place. Um, I had never been on a film set in my whole life. I don't think I'd even ever interned or done anything on a film set. I don't think I knew. I mean, maybe I was an extra in some kind of dance scene somewhere with some, for some like short films, but I really didn't have experience back then. Uh, New York is a theater town and it definitely was back then. So what I was seeing all the time was theater, theater, theater. And I went to the movies like everyone else did, but I did not even understand like what a boom was, or there were so many people involved and that's, it was so much, you know, that like somebody might be crouching under a table, but you're doing like a very serious scene, like right there. And they're just two feet away from you, like under a table, holding a mic or, you know, holding a reflector or something. I just didn't know what I was in for. I thought it was all really fascinating to sort of pull the, the curtain back behind and see what was really going on, how they do this. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, for that one episode that you were in, Catherine, that was shot in Turkey. Um, how long were you there? I mean, it was only three weeks, but to me, at 22 or 23, I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is, I mean, and it felt, it was, it was enough. It was everything. It was so cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Where did you stay? I don't think put me up in some hotel. It was the middle of winter and there was coal burning and sort of like a dark soot kind of, but it was very mysterious and cloudy. And then there was snow everywhere. and. It just looked, it was so very mysterious there and cool. And I just thought it was wonderful. So you guys also shot in Prague. Um, do you fly straight from Turkey to Prague? Well, I went back to New York and then went back to Prague like a couple of weeks later. Gotcha. How long were you in Prague? A week, a week and a half. It was beautiful and cool and all those things. So in a situation like that, when you're over there, um, do you have downtime? Do you have time to go out um, and explore the city? I didn't have a lot of downtime in, in, in either one, really, because they, they're flying you to do your work, really, and give you enough days to kind of get ready and then, you know, not be too jet lagged. But they're flying you in for you. They're not going to fly you in. To, but but there, was a, there was a little bit. There was enough. I was young. I had energy for it. So I did. You know, I went to all the the markets in Turkey and I went all over Prague and took pictures and, you know, went to a disco and did all the things. It was great. That's awesome. Had to be a cool experience for sure. Um, all right, Catherine. So you end up going from New York to LA, as you told me to support yourself in New York, you were babysitting, uh, you were a hostess, you were waiting tables. When you get to LA, which is obviously not a cheap place to live. Um, what were you doing to support yourself at the time? Um, I was a makeup artist and I loved it. I worked for a makeup company. I assisted some a, a person I knew on some commercials and films, low budget films, and, but big commercials. I A couple of Budweiser commercials and stuff. Um, not like any major films where I wasn't doing like Nicole Kidman's face or anything. I was putting like, you know, pirate makeup on men and like splattering like brown dirt around them. It was like, you know, and then spraying, spraying water on these bicyclists and putting glycerin on them so they would look shiny and misty like they'd been cycling and then doing little hair for little girls. And, you know, con- like it was, it was fun though. I loved it. And then I worked for a company called Stila, which is still around. Um, 
as a makeup artist for them. And I did people's makeup for their events and weddings and graduations and all the things that people do. And I worked at also like the malls all around. Okay, cool. So you're doing the makeup thing. Um, obviously, you're still auditioning. What was the first role that you landed uh, when you were in LA? Oh, I did a little short film that I haven't seen. And I don't know where it is. I guess I could look for it called The Visitor. And it was with Denise Richards before she was famous. And my friend Brooke Langton was also in that. And we met on that and became friends. And that was when we did the table read for The Visitors or The Visitor. I can't remember if it was plural. We, were, we both realized we had both been cast in Swingers. Very cool. There you go. Yeah, let's get to it, Catherine. Um, of course, Brooke Langton, your friend, played the role of Nikki in the movie Swingers. Uh, like I said, Catherine, let's get to it. Swingers directed by Doug Lyman, written by John Favreau. Um, also starred uh, Vince Vaughn, Ron Livingston, and of course, Heather Graham, who played Lorraine. You played the character of Lisa. Uh, tell me, what was the audition process like for Swingers? Well, I got my, my, my manager got me the audition. Um, she also had another client that was going to be in it, Patrick. But it, simultaneously, the girl, there was a girl staying and a woman named Eden Warmfeld, who was staying with the guy that I lived next to. And she was working as a producer and product like on it in some way. And she was like, Oh, do you, you were a dancer, right? You swing dance. And I was like, yes. Yeah, so I was going to like go in and just try to get a small part being a dan- I didn't know what it, what it, what I was going to do, but it turned out my manager ended up getting simultaneously an audition for it. And I went and I auditioned for the part of Lisa. And I went, it was in a house in Hollywood, in West Hollywood, which is close to where I live now. And I just remember, I think I met John and Vince, no, maybe just John and Doug Lyman and one of the producers. Um, I think they were, they were there at the first reading for some reason. And John says I walked in though, and I almost knocked over like a really expensive vase. <laughs> He's, he told me this later and then I like caught it and I was like, oh, and then he kind of knew like right away that, that, that I, like I, that, that I was right for the part. Nice. Supposedly. That's pretty funny. I didn't even, I don't think I even had read yet. So I don't know if I got it from my fabulous audition. I think I got it cause I knocked over, maybe knocked over an expensive phase. That's pretty funny. Great story. Um, at the beginning of this, uh, Catherine, you mentioned Patrick, Patrick, of course, being Patrick Van Horn who played the role of Sue. Uh, Catherine, did you know who John Favreau was at the time you auditioned? No, no. Mm-mm. I don't think he was. No. I mean, I guess he'd been in Rudy, but I didn't know. I'd never, I hadn't seen it. And all I knew was that I'd read the script and that it was funny. It was really funny. It was a great script. And I knew the, it was a great script, but I thought it was strange. I remember thinking, God, this would be so funny if the guy didn't say money and baby all the time. Because <laughs> I didn't know. I hadn't met Vince yet. I hadn't heard it. That's great. But anyway, I thought it was really funny. And I went to the audition, didn't know who the guys were, but there was a really good vibe about it. If you can say that vibes mean anything, they, it seems like they do because it just, everything was easy. It, was, it just happened. You know how life is like that sometimes? Absolutely. It just flows. Yep. And you don't know why, but it works. You just step in it and there it is. And there was no, no tension. It just happened. Not that all good things have to be easy because they aren't, but this one was. It was. There was a lot of you know, flow about it. That's good stuff. So Catherine, from the time that you auditioned, um, how long did it take for you to learn uh, that you landed the role as Lisa? They were really effusive. I remember they were, they were like right almost in the room. They were like, that was great. That was great. You know, do it again, that kind of thing. Let's try it like this. And I could, I could feel like it, was ha- like it was happening in the moment almost. And then they had read Dina and I think they wanted to like read us together. So they had us come back and do that. And it was really 
a sweet process because it wasn't one of those big audition situations like with TV or big studio situations where you'd like walk in and it's very sit, you know, there's no talking. It's very serious. And you're in this network situation on a stage somewhere or in someone's office. This was in the living room and it was relaxed and they all already seemed like, like friends and they're funny people. And that, that, that comes off. That was, that's, I just remember that we read with Dina and then, and then we met at the, we all met me and Vince and Tina uh, and Dina and John at El Coyote for daiquiris <laughs> at one point. It, it was pretty fun. Good times. Dina being Dina Martin, who played the role of Christy uh, in the movie Swingers. Prior to Swingers, I guess her big movie would have been uh, Dazed and Confused, where she played the role of Siobhan. Uh, Catherine, when you learn that you land this gig, what is your mindset? Are you just beside yourself or are you just kind of like, yeah, you know, I landed this role. I got this gig in this really low budget movie. What were you thinking at that point in time once you learned uh, that you landed the gig? Well, I probably I wouldn't say either one because I would say that I was thrilled for sure. But beside myself, I didn't I mean, I would reserve that term for if I had known like that's like the I mean yes I was beside myself in a way that I was so so happy thrilled and happy and you know definitely walking on air so happy to like have a job it seemed like it was going to be fun all those things I didn't know it was going to be the movie that it was going to be but I still was thrilled I mean sure sure absolutely in every way so thrilled oh I was so thrilled I mean I was always thrilled to get a job because they're so hard to come by and I was thrilled even more that the people seem so cool. Yeah, I would imagine anytime you land a role in a movie, it's got to be pretty exciting. Catherine, let's talk about the two scenes uh, that you were in. The first scene is when all of you guys, uh, that would be Mike, Trent, and uh, Christy, and yourself, uh, when you guys are hanging out at the Bamboo Lounge. And then uh, the second scene that you're in takes place in a trailer. Um, Were those scenes actually shot in Las Vegas? No, it was shot here in LA at a, at, a, at a bar called the Three of Clubs. And they just made it out to look like we were in Vegas. And then we went to a trailer park to do the trailer scene. And it was somewhere outside of LA, I mean, outside of Hollywood a little bit, but I don't remember where. But no, we never actually went to Vegas. Wow, that's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, Hollywood magic, the magic of Hollywood. That's really cool. Uh, Catherine, do you remember shooting that scene? The lounge one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you remember about it? Um, it was, it was, again, it was so fun. You know, they didn't have, they made the whole movie by getting, I don't want to get this wrong, but a lot of the movie was shot with film ends because they didn't have the money for film, our big reels of film. So you only had a couple chances. And I remember during that scene, everyone was so professional. And, you know, Vince, who seems so, so fun and silly and can be, was also like once he was in professional mode, he was so like ready to work and just so good. And they had, you know, it was the first time I saw Vince and John in character and they were so transformed and it was just really fun to see them. And Dina and I were in our outfits and everything too. And so we, um, I was dressed as Dorothy. And, <laughs> That's great. You know, I, I, I didn't even have a lot of, I don't even remember, like they just sort of dressed me and I just let it happen. Like I didn't really even know what I was coming off. Like I, I just was going with it. It was, it was very like a one shot. Let's do it. There we go. And here's the costume that you're wearing. It wasn't one of these like thought out methodical. No, I, I don't like that. Let's change it. Whoever did the, did it? They did it right the first time. I put it on. We did it, and it, we, it went. And Dina and I were having a ball. I got along really well with her. Again, it was really one of the easiest, like more fun times I've had shooting. Um, but Doug, there was some sound problem with the camera, and it was making a noise. And so he had to shoot it with a blanket over his head. So he was just like this moving blanket. It was hilarious. And I remember that they sort of transformed this bar into the the lounge. And that was it. It was just easy. It was just. How long did it take to shoot that scene? Not very long. 
Really? No, I mean, it was just not long at all. It was a couple, I mean, we must have only done it once or twice. I don't, we did barely rehearsed. Wow, that's really cool. Very cool story. Um, not a lot of rehearsal, not a lot of takes in that scene. Uh, Catherine, what do you remember about John Favreau in that scene? I feel like John was very available to like talk and rehearse like alone, like with him, because he wrote it. Even though we didn't direct it, it felt like in a way he did because he was talking to me all the time. Like we were in conversation and I feel like we might've had a rehearsal that I can't, I, that I don't remember, but I felt like I knew who I was and what I was doing and why I was there. And I felt like Dina felt that way too. And I felt like we were ready when we did it, even though we only did it once. Wow. That really is pretty amazing that you guys only shot that scene one time. Uh, Catherine, in that scene, I love your line when you're talking to Mike um, and you ask him, well, who's your representation back East? (laughs) Oh man, that's so great. Such a funny line. I've always loved that line. I always thought Don was so funny and smart. I always thought this is really clever. This is great writing. Yeah, he did a great job um, in writing Swingers. I mean, he was spot on, man. Uh, Catherine, let's move on to the other scene that you're in. That's the trailer park scene. Did you guys actually shoot that scene in a trailer? Yeah, it was, it was shot in a trailer, in a trailer park. And same thing. I mean, just one or two times you got, you got like one chance to do it. That was it for each, from each angle. And crazy. Um, again, we were ready. And I remember, you know, like really going to pieces with Vince telling his story about the casting director. And he was so funny. And I'd never, I mean, when Dina and I heard it for the first time, when we really heard him off book, it was really, really funny. Yeah. An absolutely fantastic scene. And uh, Vaughn definitely nails it. He's talking about auditioning for the role of brother. And uh, it's just so funny, man. Uh, Catherine, as an actor, when you know that you only have one or two chances to nail it, I mean, how do you, how do you do that? How do you, I guess, mentally prepare for that? You know, I don't know. You know that the, the, the film is going to run out and it's your job just to not laugh. I mean, you can't, but um, he was painfully funny to watch. No doubt. And, oh, you know, even though I'd met him in person, I hadn't seen him do his character, you know, of, and so doing his thing, watching Vince do his thing, Trent Big T. It was crazy. It was like, it was, it was hilarious. I'd never seen anything like it. Yeah, it's just so good. Um, Catherine, one thing that I noticed in that scene is uh, when you're sitting on the couch with Mike, uh, Mike's talking to you, and you had just talked about how you can't laugh. I'm curious if you remember uh, this part in the scene. Um, I'm not sure if you broke character or not, but Mike looks at you, and uh, you guys are talking, and he says, uh, I'm not ruining anything, am I? And uh, you laugh. And I'm not sure if that was scripted because it kind of looks like a natural laugh from you that might not have been scripted. Do you remember that? And do you remember if that was a uh, breaking character? God, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to remember. I mean, it, I doubt that I broke character or like would call it that. Um, I might have. You know, there were the energy that we had was very like, I think they liked it playful, fun. Um, you know, they, they wanted that energy in there. So if that was, I would say more that whatever was naturally happening, I was incorporating into the character. I wouldn't say that I actually felt like I broke character. Gotcha. You know? Yeah. Um, where I, and that, cause I have, I know that feeling when you like really break character and it's, um, but I don't think that happened in that, but I'm, but I'm now I'm going to go back and rewatch to see which exactly which time you're talking about. Um, can you say it again? Yeah. And breaking character might not be, uh, the right terminology about it, but yeah, of course, um, it's the scene where you and Mike are sitting on the couch. Mm-hmm. Um, Trent is in, uh, the bedroom with Christy. Uh, Mike's telling you about uh, how he got dumped by his ex-girlfriend. And, um, yeah. you know, during the dialogue, he says to you, I'm not ruining anything, am I? And you let off this giggle that anybody would probably just laugh their ass off because it's really funny the way he says it. So yeah. that's yeah, the yeah, part yeah. I'm talking about. I'm not sure if that giggle was kind of, uh, I guess, scripted or if you were just letting out a, uh, a natural laugh. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I don't think I did break character, but um, I don't. Yeah, I think it was more the answer I said before. I was just incorporating my like, you know, God. But now, geez, and now I don't know. I mean, it was all so fun, and like I said, it was encouraged to stay. Like whoever I was, they obviously I'm not her. I'm not Lisa. But whoever I was and whatever I was, they wanted that energy brought into her. So, and and I think that the choice that I made also as was that like I loved him. I thought he was adorable. You know, like it it didn't, you know, it yeah, it didn't bother me that he was calling his ex-girlfriend. I felt for him. And I understood him. And you know, I wasn't going to take anything personally. But John makes me smile. I mean, he does make me smile. He's a adorable and funny. Well, he was definitely funny in that scene. That's for sure. I mean, it's just, you know, poor Mike, man. He's just absolutely painful and brutal to watch. Catherine, any of the cast members that you have kept in touch with from the movie Swingers through the years? Well, the person I ended up being in touch with was Favreau. Okay, cool. We were the ones that stayed friends and in touch. And then later on, I, and even to this day, I'm in touch with Doug Lyman. But we like re-met through other circumstances later in life. Um, but at the time, the friendship that happened was between me and, and mostly me and, and John. And I also was friends with Dina too. And we saw each other a couple of times. But it's so funny because you're making me realize. And Vince was like funny and great. And we had great. I, I adored him and thought he was wonderful. But we didn't like swap numbers and like hang. We might have all hung together like once or twice. But, you know. This was all before cell phones, too. And there wasn't texting or like just being in touch. It was it was a bigger, you know, it was a bigger effort in a way to be in touch and stay in touch. And it didn't mean that you didn't like the people. It just meant you were kind of had your own group that you were busy doing and living. And also. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I mean, it's just I don't know. It's so funny. Yeah, it really is. And to think that you know, I guess swingers came out before or probably right around to your point, um, cell phones to think about that is pretty amazing. Um, Catherine, when was the last time you talked to John Favreau? It's been years now, but I think I remember I saw him when the first Iron Man came out. That was great. And we had a great exchange and we may have had an email since then. I should go back and look, but, and I mean, he has three kids and he's doing all these, we just, have gone, um, haven't talked or, you know, but not for any bad reason. I love John Favreau. I mean, I just absolutely think he's one of the smartest, wittiest people I could ever have met in my life. He's one of those people that can size up a situation in a second and do it with humor. Is very insightful, and I think he's a great writer. Absolutely, um, I know now he's mostly a director and a, like and a phenomenal director, no doubt. But he's a great writer too, and I always knew that. And you can know, I feel like you can know that about him because of the way he talks, because of the way he thinks. Um, it would make sense that he'd be a great writer. Yeah, it makes sense. And obviously, Favreau went on to have a huge career. Um, of course, another guy. And the movie Swingers that went on to have an absolutely enormous career would be Vince Vaughn. Catherine, when was the last time you saw or talked to Vince Vaughn? So long ago. So long ago. But, you know, when I did see him the years after Swingers, sort of more close to Swingers, I can't remember. I mean, he was already really famous, but, um, but he was always lovely, too. He's, I mean, there was always like a soft spot, even though we didn't hang and he'd gotten famous. If he'd see me, we did swingers and he would always be so sweet about it. He was never like, oh, who are you? He's like, Catherine, hey. You know, he's, he's a, they're still regular people, even though they're surrounded by all of the um, fixings of Hollywood, Hollywoodness and stardomness and all that. They're still the same down to earth guys, I think. I mean, you know, from what I, when I encountered with them. Yeah, Favreau and Vaughn seem like they'd uh, be pretty cool guys, especially Favreau. Um, Catherine, here's the million-dollar question. Do you have any idea where 
uh, Dina Martin is, who played the character, obviously, of Christy. I tell you what, man, I cannot find anything on that girl. Uh, maybe I'm looking in the wrong places, but Instagram, Google, uh, Dina Martin interviews, uh, just nothing seems to come up. Any clue where Dina Martin is today? No, nothing. Dang. I have no idea. And now I want to go and try to find her myself. Good luck. If you find her, let me know. Um, did you guys become friends? We did become friends. I adored her. I liked her so much. And she even lived close by. And we went, I just remember we visited and hung. It was always like super friendly with us, really upbeat. We didn't like get into a rhythm where we were hanging all the time, but, but it was absolutely great energy. And it makes me think like, so maybe she left acting and or left LA, you know, lots of people do, they, they do other things. And, um, so if she left acting so long ago, maybe she doesn't have an IMDb page or something. And, but it, and maybe she got married and changed her name. Sure. Certainly could be a possibility. What's your suspicion about where she is? Um, I would say my suspicion is, is that uh, I'm a freak. And I'm always curious as to uh, where people end up and what becomes of them. So that's my only suspicion as to where uh, Dina Martin might be. I'm just kind of curious. Um, Catherine, is there any way you, being Catherine Kendall, can find out? I could always call Doug and see who he knows. Boom. There you go, Catherine. Get on it. Call Doug Lyman, uh, the director of Swingers, and find out. Or how about this? If there's anyone listening around the world that happens to know where Dina Martin is, uh, shoot me an email, info at beingfamouspodcast.com. We are trying to find Dina Martin. Uh, moving right along, Catherine, you mentioned her earlier. Uh, what about Brooke Langton, who played the role of Nikki? Do you still keep in touch with her? Yeah, we're still buddies. Cool. Where is she these days? You know, she lives between LA and Nashville or Georgia. Was, I mean, so, I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly where she, but she's um, still, you know, she still works and she's still, um, she has three kids and she's amazing. I love Brooke. I haven't seen her in too long. We used to see each other all the time, but I haven't seen her in a while. It's been a couple of years. Yeah. She had a small part in the movie, but uh, definitely did a great job. Uh, in her one scene where she's talking to Mike in the bar. So Catherine, what happens? The movie comes out, then what? The movie came out. I went to a screening and we knew right then and there that it was pretty special. All of us in the theater were like, whoa, this is really funny. It's amazing. Oh my gosh. And there was a bidding war. I didn't even know that that many people would get it. Like my parents, I didn't think they would get it. They would see the movie and think, that was great, honey. But was it like, did it speak to them? They thought it was great and funny, but they weren't taken away. What happened was, I remember my mom went to a video store in D.C. It was the one she always went to. And you know when you take your videos back and you have like two or three and you return them and you get new ones. And she knew the person that worked there and somebody was renting swingers. And she's like, oh, my daughter's in that movie. And somebody was like, that movie? Your daughter's in that movie? Swingers? And the guy's like, this movie is the most rented movie in our whole, you know, video store. And, and the guy that was renting it was like freaking out because he's like, my friends have watched this movie like 10 times. And, and, I, and then that sort of message got back to me. Now, I couldn't believe it. Like, I didn't know. People love this movie. This movie had this huge effect on people. It's, a, it's so after the fact that you find out about it. I, like I said, I always thought the movie was great and was really proud of it. But I had no idea that the world would resonate. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, I've rented, uh, especially back in the day, Swingers a few times myself. That's a great story. Um, and Catherine, why is that? Why do you think that Swingers resonates with so many people? Um, well, I think that part of it is that it's this formula that's just so simple, which is about friendship and love. And it's about the getting over heartbreak and the, the kind of crazy ways that people act with their friends and the things they're embarrassed about. And then the, the, it can only be funny. Like when you look back and tell the story, but in the moment they're excruciating. And then there's that thing where, you know, you want to call the person, but you, you know, you can't and shouldn't. And then the, the, the very minute that you really do get over a person, really get over them, your ex calls, but they're not going to call before. 
you can't fake it. You can't pretend just like in the movie says. I mean, so it hits on these pieces of these kernels of truth that people just get. But the part I didn't know people would get or or resonate with so much is that the, the guys that that they must guys must see other guy friendships that look a lot like what they're in. So he, I guess John really hit it when he wrote that because he wrote it from the truth. Yeah, very well said. And I would certainly agree with all of that. Um, Catherine, at the time of Swingers, uh, you do realize, right, that swing music and swing dancing uh, really became a thing at that point in time, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And at the time of the movie, it was like there was this, I don't know, this strange kind of uh, movement across the country. Bands like Big Bad Voodoo Daddy really came to light. Tony Bennett and Dean Martin, yeah. their music had a resurgence. People started to dress like the characters in the movie. Totally. <laughs> I mean, it was really crazy. It was crazy. Fascinating that that happens. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah, it really is. And it's kind of the equivalent to, I don't know, maybe say Saturday Night Fever back in the 70s where people really got into disco music. People started to dress like yeah. John Travolta, as ridiculous as that is. Uh, swingers is in that vein. Uh, it took the country by storm. Uh, people started to swing dance. People started to dress like the characters. Like I said, it's pretty crazy. Um, at that time, Catherine, uh, were you swing dancing? Were you listening to swing music? Did you partake in any sort of that lifestyle at the time? I kind of, it kind of came. I no, <laughs> I wouldn't say I did. I mean, I went to some places. I went to the Derby. I I saw Elaine and Marty sing, and all that was so cool and great. But I didn't, you know, swing dance like really take lessons and get into it. There, I loved watching other people do it, but I, um. Those guys had done that, I think, before they even wrote the movie. Like that, were, they were doing that scene and then wrote it. Um, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. But doesn't mean I don't like it. Yeah. No, it's all good. I hear you. Um, Favreau could definitely dance because in that scene uh, with Lorraine, played by Heather Graham, uh, they both do an excellent job of swing dancing. Uh, Catherine, speaking of. Do you know Heather Graham or have you met Heather Graham? Um, I never even met Heather Graham. Isn't that funny? Yeah, it really is because I think there's this idea or this notion that all the cast members know each other, but uh, clearly that's not the way it works out. Um, Catherine, if you were to sit down right now and watch Swingers from start to finish, oh my gosh. Uh, what do you think you would think of your performance in that movie? I can't do it. There's no way. You know, it's really hard for me to watch myself and in anything. It can be great if you're one of those people that can really just watch yourself and learn. I try to do that, but I usually I just go, oh, you know, it's just not easy to do. That's so interesting to me. Uh, do you think you could do it? I can't even do it. I just couldn't do it because I don't want to <laughs> say that I don't like my performance because I don't I don't I don't not like it. Gotcha. Let me put it this way. Go for it. I'm just so relieved that other people like it. If, 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 if other people liked it and bought it and they told the story it was supposed to tell, then God, thank God is how I feel. <laughs> there you go. Uh, when was the last time that you actually watched Swingers from start to finish? Oh, my gosh. Years and years and years and years and years ago. But somebody made me watch the scene that I was in, a couple of the scenes I was in recently. And I was just, I think I had to go in the other room. I couldn't, I, <laughs> That's so funny to me. I don't me. know why. I don't know why. But I think other actors are like that too. Yeah, no doubt. And you're not the first person who I've spoken to that thinks in those terms. Actually, something that I learned recently um, is that Mark Paul Gosseler from Saved by the Bell has apparently uh, played the character of Zach Morris, has apparently not watched one episode of himself Ever in the TV show Saved by the Bell. I find that really remarkable. Catherine, let's get off of Swingers. Let's move on. But before we do, a couple of guys that I want to mention who we didn't talk about um, up until this point would be Ron Livingston, played the character of Rob, uh, went on to star in Office of Space, which is a fantastic movie. Has done a bunch of other stuff as well. And of course, Alex Desaire, who played the character of Charles 
place is dead anyways. I wanted to mention those two guys. Alex himself has gone on to do a whole bunch of stuff as well, the Heights and a ton of other things. Um, Catherine, let's stay in the year 1996, the same year that Swingers came out. You go on to do an episode of Beverly Hills 90210 where you play the character of Lily Diamond. You have a one-night stand with uh, Brandon Walsh, played by Jason Priestley. Uh, Do you remember shooting that episode? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do remember. I do remember. (laughs) That was a fun one. That was really fun. I didn't watch 90210 because I was just a little bit older. But I knew about 90210, of course. And I knew the people on it, you know, the actors, they were all, you know, always in the news or in People Magazine. I remember that. But I really didn't know, like, much. I'm a little bit of an oddball that way. And then, um, but they were so famous. And so when I got on the show, I was a little intimidated to be on a show with all these people that were so famous and knew each other so well. And I had to kind of just go in and be so free and confident with, Jason Priestley's character and like make out with him basically, literally actually make out with him on the first day of shooting. And they, they were all so nice. I was so impressed. I remember, well, Jason was so cool and down to earth. He was hanging out with the crew and very non star like. He didn't have an entourage around him, he wasn't untouchable. He was so a regular guy. I was so relieved. I couldn't get over it. I mean, all of that show that how that people magazine and all that kind of make you think about a person. I wasn't happy. They were so nice. So that was just a real relief. I met Tiffany Amber Thiessen. I remember she wasn't even in the episode, but she was really warm. And so was Kathleen Robertson could not have been cooler. So nice. Like I just was really had a good time. That's cool. Kathleen Robertson played the character of Claire Arnold. Tiffany Ambertheson played the character of Valerie Malone. Catherine, I vaguely remember that episode. It was a long time ago. But in that episode, you hook up, hook up with Brandon Walsh, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Brando. Yeah, we hooked up. Like, we, like, made out a lot. I must have made out. Like, and I say make out, too. I mean, like, really kissed like kissed for a long time, like over and over and over again. Like we were always like hugging and kissing and kissing and kissing. And like, then I was like, I mean, it was really hilarious. I mean, it was a very, very physical part. That's pretty funny. So Catherine, in a situation like that, where you have a scene uh, where you are close to someone else and you're kind of, if you want to use the word intimate, I guess, with that other individual, what happens? Is it straight professionalism? Um, because, you know, we are talking about two humans and, right, physical attraction does happen. Not sure what you had going on at that time. Not sure what he had going on at that time. Uh, but I got to believe it can happen, right, to where that next step, because of this scene, um, is taken, correct? No, it could happen. I mean, you could see how it could happen, right? Of course it could happen. You're like two human beings that kiss and like, there's a part of you that knows you're acting the whole time. So that's a good thing. But another thing is that you know, chemistry can happen for sure. We're human. Um, but, but he had a girlfriend and I had a boyfriend and, um, and there was like absolute respect in that way. And I think you just, as a professional, like, you know, that's what the job is. Like, I mean, you're smart. You, you better know, you better know, because if you don't go into it with a really professional head, it's dangerous. Like you could get yourself, you don't want to get messed up with in your work. I remember my acting teacher saying in acting class, unless you're really like in love and you're going to go be together, but you're better off not getting all involved because you're going to mess it up. Like it's going to get, and I feel like she said that anyway, but I just remember thinking like, this is, this is like work. You got to get, you want to keep it clean. Yeah. It makes sense. You want to make sure. And, but of course you end up falling for people and and things happen, but I, I, and if it's your work where you work all the time, you're probably going to end up with somebody that you met on the set. But I think it's best to go in with the attitude of it's great if there's chemistry, but I'm not looking for a relationship out of this job because that's dangerous, you know? Yeah. And it's such a weird profession. I mean, what other profession goes around like where you have to make out with people and like act super intimate with them? 
Um, you want to feel, you want people to feel safe. You want people's partners to feel safe. You know, like if you're the girlfriend of somebody, if it was my boyfriend and he was going to the set with someone who was, some girl was going to go make out with him all day, I would hope that he would be, that he'd have some kind of like boundary up. But if you're both single and there's sparks are flying, I guess, of course you could date, you know? I just think it's a good rule to kind of try to keep yourself in check with all that because it could get so messy. Yep. Totally get it, and it makes complete sense to me. Uh, Catherine, between the Beverly Hills 90210 days, the Swingers days, up until the present time, uh, you did quite a few things. Tell me about some of the things that you did in your acting career that um, kind of stand out and maybe were some of the bigger projects that you worked on. Um, Well, I did. I moved to Shanghai to go work on a a show that I think was just actually recently made into a movie or a series um, called Flatland. And it was, it was exciting because I got to work with Dennis Hopper and that was just really interesting. And living in China was interesting and it was challenging the China part, but Dennis made it really fun. And I thought that was a really special place in time for me to experience China and 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 learn about him because he was such a incredible artist you know he covered his art covered so many different genres directing photography it was sort of endless with him and i was i really admired that and the way that he went through hollywood he beat to his own drum and so i just it was you know, he's so iconic and he had great stories to tell it's really fascinating and then um there were other things along the way. Um, I, there was a Josh Whedon show called Firefly that I got to play a small part on that I was going to do recurring, but the show didn't keep going. I, I played part of the, the, the ambassador or the counselor. Um, and that was, you know, a cool show that ended up being kind of a cult classic. And then just through the years, you know, wherever acting took me, I was always it's always been fun. It's always been, it's always been interesting. You always meet interesting people and go to interesting places. Catherine, let's talk about uh, Flatland really quickly. Uh, and you working with Dennis Hopper. I mean, that's like, man, you're working with a legend there and that guy would be so cool to talk to. I mean, you're talking about old Hollywood right there. So when you say he had some fantastic stories to share, I can only imagine the stories that guy, you know, had to tell. Um, but in that situation, uh, is it strictly professional when you're working with him or do you really get to know him? In that situation, I really did get to know him because we were in, in China together. And while I was there for a whole year, they shot all of his scenes. They shot around him, but he would still have to come for months at a time. My character was his sort of girl Friday and I was with him all the time. Me and Dennis and his assistant Satya and this a translator named Nina Yang who's actually a huge producer now she works with Forrest Whitaker but um and then my translator Ivy and just the the five of us were just together all the time I mean it, it was just endless hours in 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 the middle of nowhere in China just waiting for her to shoot our scenes so I really did get to know him we went to dinner every night when he was when we were working together and it was fascinating. I adored him. I felt really close to him in a strange way. That's really cool. I mean, straight legend. Uh, did you go to his funeral? You know, I didn't go to his funeral. I saw him before he died, and I saw him you know, over the years. And uh, I know his daughter a little bit. And uh, I feel sort of like I, I sent my love that way. But uh, no, I didn't. Gotcha. Rest in peace, Dennis Hopper. So Catherine, how does the network handle that? Uh, I'm assuming they pay for you to fly over to China. Uh, but once you get there, what happens? Do they put you up in an apartment? Uh, are they paying for your meals? Are they paying for your groceries? Are they paying for your entertainment expenses? Exactly how does that process work? Um, they relocate you. Yeah, they pay for a corporate living situation. Um, so yeah, they pay rent, basically. and But you, they put you up in sort of corporate housing and you get paid also. So you you know, you know, feed yourself, you pay for your own way that way. 
through the money that you're making per week or per episode. But I mean, they do cover a lot. I mean, they fly you over there. They, you know, everything that would involve the job, they pay for. All the, um, when you're working on the set, they pay for all those meals, but you pay for your own meals. And I think you get a per diem. I'm pretty sure you get a per diem also. I can't remember now what that was. Um, you know, if, if, if that's how we did it, but it, the, it was an exciting year because I did get to make money, a lot of money. Even though the show didn't really go anywhere financially, it was good. <laughs> nice. It's always a good thing to make a lot of money. That's for sure. So Catherine, in a situation like that, do your agents really start to go to work for you? At this point in time, you have some experience. Um, in order to take this part, you're going to have to move out of the country. You're going to a foreign place. You're going to be away from your family for a year. Uh, so do your agents say, look, this money that you're offering her, it's just not going to work. She'll do it. But in order for her to do it, you're going to have to pay her X amount of dollars. Is that the way your agents handled that situation? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes, 100%. That's where my agents went to town and got some good money for me. And it was, I mean, rightfully so. Like, you, you're moving to China. And you might be moving to China for seven years if the series goes every year. You know, I mean, who knows, right? Like, it's, it's a big change. So they do have a lot of negotiating room and they did a great job. Awesome. Great to hear. Uh, Catherine, just have a few more questions for you. Then I'm going to let you get out of here. We will also touch upon uh, the whole Harvey Weinstein thing. But um, there are thousands of people like yourself, Catherine, that I can imagine that have packed up their stuff and gone to Hollywood in an effort to try and make it. I'm going to guess that there's probably going to be a thousand more uh, along the way. It's always going to happen. If there's somebody out there listening right now that's an up-and-coming actor or is thinking about making that jump or that transition to Hollywood to make it as an actor, what advice would you give them? Oh my gosh, what would it be? I would say, I mean, you have to do it. And like in life, we have to follow our dreams. And if that's happening and you're doing that, make sure you have good people around you a support system of people that are, you know, positive people, because there's going to be downs. You're going to have your heart broken. You have to, you have to, you're going to get pushed around a little bit. And I think it's your relationship to the business and to this art form is how you handle everything. Like your relationship to it is sort of the most important thing. So if you can kind of maintain a relationship where you don't use it to hurt yourself, like it can't be, it can't be like, if I don't make it, I'll die. If it has to sort of, you have to be able to sort of live with it, roll with it, like want it enough to make it happen and be ambitious enough to make it happen. But also don't hang your hat on all of it so that you're up with every up and down with every down. Yeah, well said. And you better be pretty thick skinned uh, in order to make it out there. I can only imagine. Um, Catherine, how many times... Uh, in your career, have you said to yourself while you were living in LA, you know what, man, forget this. I am done. I am moving back East. Oh, a lot. So many times, so many times. And I have, I, I have completely like turned and just left and done other things. And, um, I've even gone back East for a whole year once I, I ended up coming back to LA because it wasn't just really for the business, but some of it is for that, but also I had made a lot of friends in LA over the years. I built a pretty strong group of friends here. So it's not just like an industry town only for me. It's a place that I've lived and, and still enjoy living. I think I still enjoy California, even if I'm not in business. So it's kind of a ride. It's like an up and down thing. I just try to be kind of cool with it. You know, whatever, whatever it's supposed to be, I let it be. Hear you. Would you say that um, you've achieved everything that you set out to achieve, Catherine, as an actress, or do you feel like there's still more out there for you? Um, I think there's probably still more, but I'm also, you know, in a way like less ambitious. Hear you. So, <laughs> and that's okay. I mean, I'm not like, I'm not as like wrapped up in it in, in a way. And then maybe you have to be in order to get the next job. So maybe... I don't know, but it'd be fun still. I think it'd be fun. There's some like parts in this age range that would be fun to play. Yeah, for sure. So what are you up to these days, Catherine? Um, well, these days I am, well, like, you know, still, I still put myself on tape for things. Um, but I've been doing a podcast, my own podcast. 
And uh, that's been taking up a, a good deal of my time because the last several years have been um, a lot of my time has been taken up with the Me Too movement. And even before the Me Too movement, because I, I mean, I came actually came forward about Harvey Weinstein before the Me Too movement had came out, happened. That was quite, it's been quite a time from October, October 10th, 2017. You know, it's, it's eased up a lot, but, um, but I do, I still will do, um, you know, speaking engagements, mentoring. Um, I just did a workshop at a high school this, this weekend on zoom. And I did the same one last year and I've done some other ones around the country. Um, talking to teenagers about sexual harassment and consent and all that. And then the podcast um, has been, is not, is focused somewhat on that, but mostly it's just stories of resilience and, um, and, you know, sort of getting over hard situations in life. Very cool. Certainly sounds like it would be a uh, rewarding thing to do, Catherine. Um, I mentioned it earlier. You just mentioned it, the whole Harvey Weinstein thing. We won't talk about it a lot. Um, but you are one of over, um, I believe, over 100 actresses that have come forward against Harvey Weinstein. When did that take place? Was that in uh, New York when you were living there or did that happen in L.A.? No, it was prior to me. It happened in New York and it was when I lived in New York. Gotcha. So it was before Swingers. Okay. Swingers had nothing to do with any of it. But um, I had an agent and I was auditioning all the time and it was the start of my, my career. It was a really busy time for me. Um, probably my most, one of my most, those first years were busy with auditions and um, sort of all I did was, was do that. And yeah, so it was early on, sadly. Yeah, that's pretty messed up. Um, you know, he's apparently really sick, right? I do know that. I do know that. I mean, I'd have to imagine that uh, there's a little bit of pleasure within that, Catherine. Is that safe to say? Well, I, I, I can't honestly and truly don't wish anyone, I don't want him to die because, well, A, he's still, he's supposed to come to trial in LA and there are women that want to have their day in court and they deserve that. Also, I don't want him to die. I don't, I'm not trying to wish death on anybody. Like, it's scary, this I mean, you know, before coronavirus, though, I, I was at the trial in New York and I saw him. He didn't look well at all. His whole affect is, was sickly. But even before coronavirus, I mean, I always thought to myself, I mean, I didn't always think this, but if he got coronavirus, that he would, it wouldn't be good. He's got all the pre-existing conditions. And, um, but yeah, gosh, I, don't, I wonder what's going to happen. What did you hear? Yeah, in my research, I've, you know, I've heard a couple of different things. Um, you know, I think TMZ came out and reported that he tested positive for COVID in jail. Then the LA Times came out and said that he didn't test positive. So not really sure what to believe. Um, nonetheless, he's apparently uh, pretty sick as he sits in jail. Catherine, anything else that you would like to add uh, in regards to the Me Too movement or Harvey Weinstein? No, just that um, if there is anyone out there listening who's had any kind of experience with sexual harassment um, or sexual violence, I hope that they know that there is a network of people out there and I'm one of them that they can reach out to on Twitter or, you know, through on Roar, my podcast. You can always call, you know, Rain. It's just an important battle that we're all still fighting to help people with, but it's, you wish that it could be over already. You wish that you know, coming forward about these people would change it and stop it, but it still happens and it still happens in Hollywood even. Even after all these people have been called out, it still happens. So I want people to know they're not alone and it's not their fault. So there you go. And yeah, man, it's crazy that this nonsense and this garbage is still happening today. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, one last thing on that, Catherine, for people listening around the world who might be a little bit more interested in that story, guys, go to Google, uh, search Catherine Kendall CNN interview. There's a very good interview of Catherine on CNN talking about the whole Harvey Weinstein situation. Check that out if you're interested. Plugs, Catherine, here we go. Give them to me. 
social media platforms, websites, whatever you got, go ahead and give me all your plugs. Okay. So um, on Twitter, my podcast is Roar with KK Podcast. And my regular one is just the Cat Kendall on Twitter. And my Instagram is Roar with KK. And then also my regular personal one is KK Butter. Cool. There you go, guys. And Catherine, I will hook up all your social media platforms on my webpage as well at beingfamouspodcast.com. Catherine, if somebody happens to jump on your Instagram page and they say, hey, Catherine, I really liked you in Firefly. I liked you in an LA Minute. I liked you in Wasteland. I really liked you in NYPD Blue. I really liked you in Dark Tides. I really liked you in Beverly Hills 90210 and Swingers. Catherine, are you going to respond, Catherine? Do you respond to the fans, Catherine? Yeah, I do. I do respond. All right. Okay. I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm, of course, I'm like always going to be nice to fans. Like it's, you're in a business where you are hopefully bringing joy to people or telling a story that they want to watch. So we don't exist without you watching it. I mean, we do, but you know, yeah, of course. Cool. There you go. I like it. Everybody listening around the world, make sure you hit up Catherine on her social media platforms. Uh, as she just said, she will respond to you. Catherine, really do appreciate you taking time out of your day to come on the podcast and to share all your stories. They were absolutely fantastic. Best of luck to you the rest of the way with everything you have going on, uh, the Me Too movement, acting, uh, your podcast, and everything else. I really do appreciate it. Any final words, Catherine? Um, I can't think of anything. I've just enjoyed talking to you and, uh, you know, continue good luck with your podcast because... It seems like you have a nice way with people. Wow. Thank you, Catherine. I do appreciate that. And you know what? You're right, Catherine. Now that you mention it, I do. I have a great way with people. I'm just kidding. Anyways, Catherine, you are done. Uh, But I do appreciate those kind words. Very nice of you. Catherine, have a great rest of your day. For everybody listening all around the world, if there's somebody you would like to see featured on the podcast, I am always looking for guests, guys. Shoot me an email, info at beingfamouspodcast.com. And I will see about getting that particular person on the podcast. Hope everybody enjoyed my conversation with Catherine Kendall. I will talk to you guys on the next episode. Peace.